The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. If you would, turn to Exodus, if you follow along in your Bibles. We're in chapter 15 this morning. We're going to start in Hebrews chapter 12. Now, you don't have to turn there if you want to turn and underline a a passage of Scripture. Hebrews chapter 12 and 15 is a good verse that's a good reminder for us. And here's what it says. It says, look diligently. In other words, really be on watch out. Be on guard. Lest any man fail the grace of God. Now, in my opinion, if you fail, it means there had to be a test, right? Uh, Now, the grace of God is free for us, but there are tests that come along. So, look diligently, lest any man fail the grace of God, and the root of bitterness spring up and trouble you. And through that trouble, many be defiled. Now, I want you to really think about what that's saying. He's saying, look diligently and lest any man shall fail the grace of God. And through that failing the grace of God, the root of bitterness begins to grow up inside of you and troubles you. Some translations say, and choke you out. And therefore, many are defiled. So that root of bitterness, it it not only grows up in you, and chokes you out, it begins to affect others. Now, I think one of the greatest challenges that you and I face in this life is to try to keep bitterness at bay. And you know, everyone has to guard against bitterness creeping into their hearts. There's so many things in our life that have the potential to make us bitter. And I mean, I just listed a few things. Family problems, that can make us bitter. If we go marriage stress, that can make us bitter. Job stress, that can make us bitter. Rejection, that can make us bitter. Past abuses, something that happened in our, our history, something that happened in our past, that can make us uh, uh, a bitter. Loneliness, misunderstandings, conflicts, church problems. The list could go on and on and on forever. There's so many things that we can deal with or that we have to deal with that has a potential to make us bitter. And, and folks, we need to understand if we don't deal with these potential problems, if we don't deal with these uh, potential issues, it becomes bitterness within our soul. Now, that's what the writer of Hebrews is telling us. It, it becomes a bitterness, and everything you think about will then be passed through that filter of pain. When that bitterness begins to take root, when that bitterness is, is growing and, and what, what, what the translation Hebrew says begins to choke you down, begins to choke you out, everything you process, you're going to think about it through bitterness. You're going to think about it uh, with your emotions, with your thinking, with your relationship with others, with your relationship with God. All of those things are going through that filter of bitterness because it has taken root and it's beginning to grow. And y'all know if you planted a garden this year, it probably all drowned already. But if it hadn't, then there's some roots there, and they begin to grow. And along with your garden, if you have a garden like mine, along with those plants that you plant, the tomatoes and the peppers and the, the onions and all things, there's roots in there. And, and those roots can begin to, begin to grow. And you know what? If, if they're not dealt with, and we'll just call it the bitter... Isn't there a, a thing called a bitter weed? 
And, and, and it'll take over and it'll choke out the good part of your garden. So when we have those roots of bitterness, we need to, we need to take care of them. Are they going to choke out what's good within us? So, so we're thinking about that. Everything we do, we lose effectiveness. And anything that we might accomplish for God, when, it, when bitterness is the first thing in our mind, those things that we might accomplish for God... We're not gonna, it's not going to happen. It's going to be choked out. And in Exodus 15, verse 1, we read about the children of Israel. And they were jubilant because of their deliverance. They were happy. They, they had just received the hand of God's deliverance. We talked about this last week. And, and in Exodus chapter, 1, uh, Exodus chapter 15, verse 1, Then Moses and the children of Israel, they broke out into song to the Lord. See, they're happy. Y'all remember last week we talked about the Red Sea and how it opened up three and a half miles wide and 5,000 abreast as they crossed the Red Sea and all of a sudden they're, they're on the other side of the sea and they're looking back at Pharaoh's army and it's coming across the sea and all of a sudden the, the Bible says the walls of water closed in on them and they could see their enemy no more. And I think any that were still on land probably turned around and hightailed it back to Egypt. And all of a sudden they realized, look, Pharaoh's not chasing us anymore. Our problems are gone behind us and we're looking forward to the promised land. And they begin to sing about it. And Moses says here, they, they came through and the children of Israel began to sing a new song. They were so joyful at being miraculously redeemed, as being delivered from all the things that were that were following, their enemies that were following, and they were full of praise. And the first 20 verses of Exodus chapter 15, they have to do with that song. We're not going to read that. We sure couldn't put music to it. I couldn't. When you read through it, you kind of wonder how, how did this song go and what was the tune, you know. And uh, I'm not sure what it was, but it was a song that they began to sing. And they began to praise and they began to worship. You, or, or would you think, that, that the joy of their deliverance would have given them inner strength? You would think that, wouldn't you? You would think that that joy began uh, to give them inner strength for the days ahead. And I want to ask you that. Does your joy help you in your daily trials? I mean, as we read about this, and we read about the children of Israel, oh, they must have had this inner strength at this point after what they had just seen, what they had just experienced that it was going to help them in their daily trials. As we look at these experiences, this sermon this morning is entitled, From Joy to Bitterness and Back Again. And when we study this, I think there's five principles, and don't worry, they're not long principles, but I think there's five principles that we need to understand in order not to allow problems to bring bitterness within us. Because, folks, we're going to have some problems, and we're going to have some things that we have to deal with. And that's exactly what we find here in the book of Exodus, in Moses' life, in the, the, the Israelites' life, the, the things that are, that are moving forward. We find they had some great joys. Here's the first point. Great victories are sometimes followed with great problems. Great victories are sometimes followed <clears throat> with great problems. So Moses brought Israel <coughs> excuse me, from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness, 
and found no water. Now, where were they headed? To the promised land. That's where they were headed. So they had a a target ahead of them. They had a a good destination ahead of them, and they knew what it was. It was the promised land that God had promised their forefathers. (coughs) So they're headed to the promised land, but as they're on their way, it, it was proving to be a difficult journey. And folks, that's for us sometimes. Our great victories are sometimes followed with great problems. We see Israel move quickly from the joy of victory We see them move quickly from singing a song to God and praising God and and saying, oh, how great you are, our deliverer. We see them move from victory to bitterness and disappointment in just three days. Think about this. Three days earlier, they were singing to God. They were praising God. They were dancing around saying, oh, our enemies have been destroyed. Three days later, on their journey, they've encountered their first difficulty. And it was a shortage of water. Now, the Bible doesn't say they were out of water. There was a shortage of water. And as they're traveling three days, they haven't found any yet. And because they haven't found any yet, they, they, they start complaining. They begin to get bitter. That root begins to take hold. Because they thought, surely God is going to do this for us. But it ain't happening yet. So, so here they are. There's a shortage of water. Imagine the relief they found when they spotted an oasis up ahead and realized, hey, I see deliverance coming. I, I see something. Their hopes must have rose. They must have hurried to this life-giving water. Now, this oasis wasn't a mirage, okay? It wasn't driving in the desert and seeing what looks like water, but it, it really was something they spotted, Imagine what they must have thought. Okay, we've been moving three days. Now we see an oasis. Here's my second point. The first, great victories are sometimes followed by great problems. The second is this. Problems, as well as victories, listen, are a part of God's plan. Do you hear that? We don't want to hear that. We don't want to know that because all we want is to live in victory, isn't it? We don't want to deal with any problems. But problems sometimes are, are a part of God's plan. Look in verse 23. Now, when they came to Moriah, they could not drink the waters of Moriah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name was called Moriah. <clears throat> Back in about 83, uh, I worked in Garland, and I lived in McKinney. And I don't know if you all kind of know how that distance is, but it's a pretty good distance. I was kind of a young employee, and, and I wasn't always... The first one to work, if you know what I'm saying, you know. Uh, and uh, what I would do is I would go through Plano from McKinney through Plano and into Garland and, and right there on the corner of, of uh, Walnut Street and uh, Jupiter, there was a convenience store. And every morning, I whipped in that convenience store. I went in, I grabbed a carton of milk, and I believe they were still in cartons then, and uh, a, a Twinkie or a honey bun, just measure it, whatever fattest thing in there was. That's what I went for, I'm sure. From that store to my office was just one block. So from there, I would whip in, I would grab a honey bun, a thing of milk, I'd go out to the truck, I'd eat the honey bun, I'd open the milk, I'd back out, I'd head to the office. One morning, I did that same routine, I backed out, I opened my carton of milk, and I started chugging it as I was driving down the road, and about the fourth swallow... I realized I was swallowing chunks, <laughs> uh, and I didn't buy buttermilk. I bought regular white milk, 
uh, after about three chunks, my, my stomach went, wait a minute, <laughs> something ain't exactly right here. <laughs> and uh, it just throwed the reverse on, you know, just like that. I didn't have to do anything. It just went, send it out. <laughs> and so out the window, the milk went, and uh, you can just kind of imagine that. But the milk wasn't poisonous, was it? It was just undesirable. Now, to me, if you like to drink buttermilk, that's what you're drinking. Now, you may say, no, that's not the same thing. No, it really is the same thing. It's clabbered milk. Now, I love buttermilk pies, but once you add all that sugar and vanilla, I guess it kills that, that whatever that buttermilk is. But as they came to this, as they came to this water, <clears throat> this is what I imagine they done. This is my imagination. I, I, I can imagine they saw that water from a distance, they probably picked the pace up. They, they hurried and said, oh, there's water, there's water. And I imagine they was turning around saying, there's water up here. We found water. And they ran and they probably fell down there in the water and they, they began to throw it up on themselves and they began to drink out of their hands or maybe they just began to uh, plunge down into the water and drink. And all of a sudden, one of them said, Mariah, bitterness. The water's bitter. There's clabbers in it. It's not worth drinking. That's what we see here. Now, the, when they came to this place and they could not drink it, it, they called that place Moriah, which means waters of bitterness. They weren't poisonous. They, they weren't anything that was going to kill them. They were simply unpleasant. It was bitterness to drink. So here they are. They've, they've gone for three days. They finally found water and and when they go and they plunge into that water, all of a sudden they cry, Mariah, this bitterness of water is unpleasant to drink. We can't drink this water. Now, in the span of three days, they've gone from singing and praising to turning on the leader. They, they begin to, to turn on their leader. They're murmuring. They're complaining. Sometimes, folks, we do that in a lot shorter time, don't we? Sometimes between morning worship service and before we get home from church, we've already started to murmur and already started to complain. Just that quick. In fact, Moriah came to the children of Israel as a proof that it can happen to us in our lives, in our experiences, in the highs and lows, in the mountaintops, in the valleys. We're going to experience those in our walk every day. But I thought that being saved, that meant that life was going to be without pain. I thought it meant that I wasn't going to have any difficulties because I have the, the presence of Jesus with me at all times. Well, folks, welcome to reality. These folks are headed to the promised land. They're headed for what God said, hey, this is where I want you to get. And in the midst of that, all of a sudden, they have some problems. And as they have these difficulties, as they have these setbacks, they begin to murmur. They begin to complain. They begin to allow that root of, of bitterness to take hold. And folks, for sometimes it's, it's right on our heels. After we have an extraordinary blessing, after we have something that's, that's something so great, we're caught off guard. And all of a sudden, as we're caught off guard, all of a sudden gloom and despair and different things come up on us. And it seems that sometimes we as people of God experience a blessing, and then we're thankful for that blessing, and then all of a sudden we expect a blessing. Now, I want you to hear that. I think as Christians sometimes, if God is blessing us in a certain way, all of a sudden in our minds we say, okay, God, I'm, 
I'm serving to you, I'm giving to you, I'm, I'm following you as I should, I deserve your blessings. And I think as God looked at the children of Israel, He blessed them. And we're going to see what He was doing here in just a moment. Let's go ahead and move on to that. When we murmur, we fail the test. See, God had blessed them. And they were headed where they wanted to be, in the promised land. They had headed to the, to the promises of God. But God placed a test on them. Verse 24, Then they cried out, and the people complained against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? They cried out to who? Thank you. That's your part of participation this morning. If you're listening, saying I am. They're crying. They're, they're disillusioned. They're, they're disappointed. They're, they're, they're just thinking, wait a minute, God. But instead of turning to God, who did they turn to? They turned to Moses. They begin to murmur. They begin to complain. They, they went against Moses. And, and all of a sudden, in, in their trust, they didn't trust God anymore. They didn't turn to God anymore. They simply came to Moses and they began to, to complain and they began to, to say, God, why have you led us here? And Moses, why are you, why are you taking us in that direction? And, and even in all of those things, their amazing supernatural deliverance that they had just experienced, it was gone like that. They didn't remember it anymore. They wasn't thinking about it anymore. Difficulties come to all of us. You know, I was thinking about this story I heard. It, it reminded me of that little boy... He got in trouble, and his mom said, I want you to go sit in the closet and think it over. So she put him in her closet. He spit on everything in there. He spit on his mother's dresses, his daddy's shirts, all the shoes, the walls, even the light socket. After a while, his mother opened the door and said, What are you doing? He said, I'm waiting on some more spit. <laughs> you know... That's how we do sometimes, isn't it? That's bitterness. That's simply, I'm not going to learn a lesson, but we're just as silly sometimes. We, we have something against us. We face Moriah. We face that bitterness of everyday life. And instead of turning to God, we begin to spit on everything and everybody around us. And remember what we said as we read that book of Hebrews? It don't just affect us. It begins to affect those around us because a root of bitterness is growing within us and we begin to spit on everybody around us. And that's what the children of Israel again, once again the children of Israel had to be taught that no problem is too severe, no problem is too big, and no danger is so great that the Almighty God can't solve it. And He taught them that. Number four, God brings us into trials in order to teach us great lessons. When we have a great trial, God is trying to teach us a great lesson. We find it in Scripture. Fortunately, Moses didn't forget where to turn. Moses didn't forget what to do. Verse 25 says, So Moses, he cried out to the Lord. And look what happened. And the Lord showed him a tree. And when he cast a tree into the waters, the waters were made sweet. And there he made a statue and an ordinance for them. And there, what did he do? He tested them. See, this was a test. This was a test from God. The, the situation, God showed Moses a, a nearby desert tree. And on this nearby desert tree, he said, cut off a branch and 
throw it into the waters that, that are here nearby. And, and there he asked Moses, by faith, to do something that doesn't make sense. By faith, Moses, this, this is not something natural. But by faith, I want you to do these things. And God rebuked the lack of faith among the children of Israel. He had told them that it had been a test. And really, as it had been a test, they failed it miserably. They, they failed the test. And remember, when God brings trials to us, He's trying to teach us some great lessons. And I want you to listen to what Scripture says here. God used these difficult circumstances to show the children of Israel what was on their hearts. He said to them in verse 26, If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God, and you do what is right in His sight, if you give ear to His commandments and keep His statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have found, which you have brought, which I have brought on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who heals you. That is Jehovah Rapha. Now that that Jehovah Rapha or Rapha there, I want you to remember because that word Jehovah Rapha it means the God who heals. And when you look at the definition of that word, I want you to listen to what it says. This word means to mend. As a garment is mended. It also means to repair. As to reconstructing. And it also means to cure. As a diseased person is restored to health. So, so in the original writing. That, that, that description of God. Jehovah Rapha. It had three definitions. It means to mend something. To rebuild something are to bring restoring health to someone. And, and when we find that, when our lives become bitter, God says, wait a minute, I'm Jehovah Rapha. I can meet whatever need you have there. If you have that need of, of simply meaning amending uh, here, then I, I'm the God that can mend those things. If you have a need here that's going to require reconstructing, I'm the God who can do those things. If you have a need here that, that is, is going to require disease and, and something to be restored to healthiness again, I'm the God that provides those things. And for the children of Israel, He's teaching them that great lesson. I am Jehovah Rapha. I'm the God who heals. When we find ourselves and life has become bitter... If our circumstances around us are things we can't understand, I, I believe that, that God has a certain, 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 certain different ways that he can, he can respond to that. I have three here, and we're getting close to being ready to close. They're not always the same thing. I think one thing, God can change our circumstances that are causing our bitterness. In other words, He can, he can remove the cause of that bitterness, whatever it may be. When we pray to God and we say, God, you're Jehovah Rapha, you're the one who brings healing in this situation, and the root of bitterness is beginning to grow within me, He can say, well, I'm going to take away whatever that problem is. If it's water, I'm going to give you water. If it's, if it's Mariah, if it's bitterness of water, here I have something that's going to take that bitterness away. But the second thing, it may be that, that He adds a new ingredient. That's what He did at Mariah. He adds a new ingredient to the situation. All of a sudden, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't change our circumstances. He says, you know what? Instead of changing your circumstances, I'm going to add something that's going to make it tolerable for you. He may bring another person in with you that can work, and, and uh, that person's a Christian and brings you encouragement. 
He may put someone near your path that's been there before and can say, hey, I've experienced this before, and let me tell you what happens. But, but he can place someone there. He can change an ingredient. Or God may do this. He may just give us a newfound tolerance. He may just say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you grace sufficient that you can tolerate this. What he did with Paul, didn't he? Paul said, I got a, I, I've got a thorn in my flesh. Did God take it away? Hmm. But God gave him the grace to deal with it. So I think there's a lot of different ways that, 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 that we can come before God and He can deal with those circumstances. But here's what I want you to remember. This was a test for the children of Israel. This wasn't a test for God. Now, I say that because I was reading this and I realized what I do sometimes. Sometimes I say, okay, God... I'm going to do this, 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 and this. And I'm going to test you to see if you bless me the way I think you ought to. Isn't that kind of how we operate sometimes? God, I'm doing this, so I'm testing you. Folks, the test ain't on God. The test was on the children of Israel. It was on the people. And God said, hey, children of Israel, this is what I've done. I've delivered you. This is what I'm going to do. You're going to the promised land. But in the midst of those things, I'm going to send a test upon you. Not to test me, but to test you and to see where you're at. And when God saw where they were at, He provided for them. He changed their circumstances. He added something new that made their circumstances better. And He said, hey, remember, I'm Jehovah Rapha. I'm the God that heals. There was a great lesson there. He threw that tree into the to the lake and to the water and it removed the bitterness. And I was thinking about that. Have you ever applied the cross to the bitterness in your life? Because God pointed to a, a tree at Calvary. And He said, if you take that, this tree that my son died on, and if you apply it to the bitterness of your life, the ills of your soul, then I'm going to bring healing. And there's great physician. His name is Jehovah Rapha. And he said, I am the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and we need to run to Him. And we need to fall in His arms. We don't need to look around and begin to, play, to, to, to complain to these people or those people or that group or this group. We simply need to go back to God. And say, okay, God, I, I need you. I need the Jehovah Rapha to come. And I need you to heal the bitterness that I have. Whether it's bitterness of a losing a loved one. Whether it's bitterness in the relationship problems. Whether it's bitterness of, of severe illness or loss of income. Or, or having to yield to some, some, something else. Whatever it may be, God says, I want you to come to me. I don't want you to miss one thing. If you're listening, say, I am. Verse 26. You say, okay, I'm on board. I'm with you. I agree. Verse 26, this is what Christ says. God, through the Holy Spirit, says, If you listen carefully to the voice of your Lord, now here's the kicker. Here's where it gets unpopular. Maybe not for you, but for me. And if you do what's right in the eyes of the Lord. Did you catch that? Did you, catch the, did you catch the hook there? It wasn't simply say, okay, Lord, I'm going to come to you and I, I need you to be a healer and, and you need to take this circumstance away however you want to do it and I'm going to move on. The Lord says this, if you do what's right in my eyes, then there's deliverance. And folks, I think for us, 
many, many times too often we say, okay, God, I need your deliverance. And then we do what's right in our eyes. And we take hold of the situation ourselves. And we begin to say, this is how it's going to be. And this is how it needs to be. And this is the way we're going to move forward. And, and we're not doing what's right in the eyes of the Lord. We're simply taking our own thoughts and our own desires. And we're putting them into practice. The Lord says this, if you do what's right in the eyes of the Lord, then deliverance comes. Now here's the last thing. When God finished the test, he took them back to a place of blessings. Isn't that great? <laughs> he didn't leave them there. What did we say? From, from happiness to bitterness to happiness again? If you look in verse 27, then they came to Elam. And I want you to think about this place in your mind. There in Elam, there were 12 wells of water and 70 palm trees, and they camped there by the waters. Doesn't that sound like a beautiful place? I mean, these crystal clear wells of water. And folks, you know, there in that time, there, well, some wells were below the ground. Some wells came up above the ground and ran crystal clear. And there's 70 palm trees and they camped there. That word Elam actually means large trees. And in the midst of their struggle, in the midst of their need for water, God put them to the test. He added some to the situation. Then he came and he delivered them. He delivered them to a place of wells of water and palm trees. And they camped there by these waters. Psalms 30 verse 5 says, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. We may have some situations that we're having to deal with now, but there's joy in the morning. Three things. Not all of life is going to be sweet. There's going to be a combination of bitterness and sweetness. Rather than complaining, we need to go to God. That needs to be our first turn and seek His provisions. And lastly, not only God not only gave them relief, at Moriah, he made the water sweet again, but he delivered them to a place at Elam, which is even better. You know what? When we pass the test, God has something even better than we can imagine. Don't you imagine when they, when they tasted those waters after the, the tree was placed and they became sweet, they thought, oh, this is great, this is great. But imagine what they must have thought when they saw Elam and they saw those palm trees and they saw all them wells. Don't you know... Their expectations were never that high. And God says, I had something so much more for you. And close with this. One day, two monks were walking through the countryside. They were on the way to help uh, another village to help them bring in their crops. And as they walked, they spied an old woman sitting at the edge of a river. She was upset because there was no bridge she couldn't get across on her own. So the first monk kindly offered, we will carry you across if you'd like. Thank you, she replied gratefully, accepting their help. So the two men joined hands and lifted her between them and carried her across the river. When they got to the other side, they set her down and they went on their way. After they had walked another mile or so, the second monk began to complain. He said, look at my clothes. They're filthy from carrying that woman across the river. And my back still hurts from lifting her. I can feel it getting stiff already. And the first monk just nodded and smiled. A few more miles up the road, the second monk 
griping again, said, my back is hurting me so badly, and after all, it's just because we carried that silly woman across the river. I can't go any further because of the pain. And the first monk looked down at his partner now lying on the ground moaning. He said, have you wondered why I'm not complaining? Your back hurts because you're still carrying the woman. But I set her down five miles ago. You know, that's, that's the way we are sometimes, isn't it? I mean, we, we carry those difficult situations on and on and on. When it started out a good ideal and things go bad, we carry it on and on and we just can't quite let go of it. We hold our pain, whether it's a loved one, something's happened with a loved one, whatever it may be, we just hold on to that pain and we carry that burden for years and for years. I want to ask you to bow your heads with me this morning and I want to ask you this, are you, are you at Mariah Bitterness? The Lord says this, be careful in your bitterness because it begins to affect everyone around you and it begins to choke out the good that you desire. Are you carrying some kind of load and it's got you so bogged down and it happened when you were a teenager in high school? It happened in a marriage 20 years ago. It happened in a relationship 10 years ago. But you're still carrying it. And finally, it just gets you down to the point you can't go on. We need to come to the healer and allow him to heal us, whatever it may be. It may need a little mending. It may need a, a rebuilding. It may need a touch of a physician's hands. But God said, I'm your man. That's why we come to this altar and pray on Sundays. I, I'm here. Would you well, come dump your problems on me? He tells us if lay our burdens upon him, cast your cares upon him. For I, I am humble and I'm gentle. And my burden is light. It's never fun in the midst of bitterness. But tears only last for a night, and joy comes in the morning. God showed the children of Israel, hey, I'm going to put you to the test, but I have better things ahead. If you know the story of the, of the Israelites, you know that there were many tests and many failures. But there's always a blessing waiting on the other side. Father, I pray this morning as we just consider where we are and who we are in you. Father, the difficulties of life, so often we need direction. And it's so difficult sometimes to, to see where you're leading and how you're leading and how you're going to respond. But Father, I pray today that through your spirit, through your word, through, through prayer, that you would open our minds to the truth of who we are in you, where you would have us to be. Lord, I pray today again that we wouldn't merely hear your word today and deceive ourselves, but we would look inside. We would examine ourselves through the lens of your word 
And Father, we would respond however you would lead us today. I pray now, Lord, as we have a time of invitation, I pray that your spirit would lead us freely, that we would respond to the wooing of your spirit. And Father, as we leave this place today, that we would know that we're in your presence and we've been in your presence and we would leave closer to you. And